Hi everybody, this is August 17th, 2018, and hope everybody enjoyed the break last month, and we are here in Novel Ideas to discuss Carnegie's Maid by Marie Benedict. So let's start out as we usually do and see what everyone thought about the book. Well, I think my wife and I are going to disagree. It, it was okay. I, I would uh, not read it again. Um, I know why Claire, you know, faked it, lied to be a servant to help her family, and the other the other Claire conveniently dies. But you know, and I'm not trying to be a moralist, but a lie lie catches up to you. I didn't like Carnegie's mother, of course not, but it was she was going to catch up to her. And what I did, but the thing I did like that Marie Benedict showed is the cultural differences. The Carnegies were were low class too when they came, but they got rich and and they were struggling to get into the top society with the Rockefellers and the Vanderbilts. And the service criticized the way the mother dressed, but that that was the theme of it to me. That's the best part of the book. But as far as uh, would she marry him and and you know live like a queen? No, it wasn't going to happen. You know. I I liked the story. Um, I liked Claire, uh, and I didn't find her particularly troublesome because she didn't harm anybody. It's not like she killed the other person, and she really never didn't. In my in my opinion, she really didn't lie about it because you know when she first got off the boat and the guy said Claire. Um, uh, I'm blanking on her last name. No, that's silly. Um, but she said, yes, I'm Claire. And, and she didn't lie about that. I thought she was very clever in how she um, kind of caught on right away that the Carnegies were very new to this high society thing. And therefore, her job, you know, she was actually more astute uh, uh, astute um, than they are in terms of observing behavior and trying to help Mrs. Carnegie actually fit in more. She was actually trying to help her achieve some of her goals. Mrs. Carnegie was the one that was not listening to her. Um, so I, kinda, I liked Claire. I, I wasn't offended by her um, her disguise because, again, you know, it's not like she was doing it to get to be selfish. She, she really was fearing for her family and she needed to you know, she needed the money to help her family. So I don't know. It was, you know, it's one of those situational ethics situation things. Um, but in this particular instance, I I really liked her, and I didn't find a, a didn't find her character objectionable. Um, I really also was very interested in the whole Knickerbocker thing because I'd heard about the Knickerbockers, and and you know that whole class just because of your name and who you're married to, I just found those people disgusting. I wouldn't want to be a part of that. Um, but it was it was interesting. Well, thank you, Liz, for calling. Um, I just let time slip away. I planned on being here, and uh, the book was okay. Uh, well, and I want to say hi to everybody. This is Marcia, by the way. And uh, I also uh, liked Clara. I mean, it wasn't that she lied. That was her name. It may have been, uh, well, what do they uh, call it, a sin of omission. But, hey, you know, they needed her, and she needed them, and... Uh, 
So it worked out really for, you know, in, in everyone's best interest. So, uh, and Liz, as Liz pointed out, uh, Mrs. Carnegie needed her to help her with the, the social niceties, if you will. And uh, so it worked out for everybody. And uh, the book was okay. I mean, it's something that I would not read again. And, um, but anyway, I'll, I'll have more to say later, I'm sure. Yeah, this is LaDon. I like the book as well. I agree with, with two others that, um, it was an easy to read uh, book, uh, and it flowed well enough, but it wasn't one of my favorite, and like you, I wouldn't, wouldn't go back and read it again. And I'll tell you, the, one of the main problems that I had with it was that it was like a historical novel about real people. And for some reason, I could not believe the people. The whole three book, I'd, it took me the whole book, because sometimes... When I'm reading a book, a historical novel, I'm just living with those people. And I really believe in it. This one, I just could not believe it. And I was waiting to the end of the book so I could see uh, how many uh, things that the author looked at to see, you know, to follow the story. Because I like a historical novel that follows along with uh, happenings that we know that really happened but they just fill in you know in the blanks uh, in between there and make a novel out of that way and when I got to the end I guess I found out why I found it so hard to believe he didn't have any data points he knew that um, that they got rich and they were uh, things and then uh, toward the end of his life Carnegie decided to give away his money and so he just decided to create a reason why Carnegie decided to give away his money. And um, I guess while I was reading, even though I didn't know while I was reading the book that it was that thin, I guess I actually got the, the feeling of that. Um, and that's why I had a hard time really, really being part of the part of the people in the book and like I normally am a foyer looking over the shoulder of the character I'm reading about and I just couldn't do it with this one Hey this is Alan uh, yeah I like the book uh, and, and uh, I, I, unlike Ladon I, uh, I, I think it works better when you're when you're when you're spinning a novel uh, around a real person if you don't have a lot of fact points to, to, to check against and you can kind of make up the story as you go and history doesn't really know and I thought she did a good job doing that and I, I, I liked Claire uh, I heard y'all call her Claire but I thought I was hearing Clara when I listened to this, I'm a little confused on what the woman's first name was uh, Kelly was her last name though so uh, I really liked her and I, I thought I thought uh, the author did a real good job of at least presenting some of the uh, I'm going to call him Carnegie, because I've always called him Carnegie, and I, I don't know if Carnegie is the Irish pronunciation or what, but uh, uh, old habits die hard. Uh, if the uh, uh, if any of that's true, I mean, obviously, he, he ended up becoming a philanthropist and stuff, but uh, uh, who knows the reasons why, but uh, he uh, he apparently did a lot of, of real good with his wealth and stuff so uh i i liked him and and i liked the way it was presented so i uh, i enjoyed the novel i thought it was a, a very good read and uh I, I i like getting a little taste of history through through us through a story like this and i thought she did a good job with it 
Carnegie is the Pittsburgh way of saying it. And um, obviously, I really liked it because <laughs> I suggested it. But I this is the kind of book I like. If I'm going to read a historical novel, it, this is the kind that I like to read because it it really gets into the history. And being a native Pittsburgher all my life, um, it was really interesting to me to read about the city the way it was back then. And it was interesting because <laughs> the the up-and-coming area that this book took place in is now the ghetto. <laughs> so it's it's just interesting to to read about what it was probably like then and some of the things like at the end she talks about the cobblestone streets on Forbes Avenue that's still there it's there's and the library the first Carnegie library and it it's just it was neat for me seeing all that actually come to life and the descriptions of the city, the smog and the, the soot, the, the streetcars. So, and I believed Claire. I, she, I thought she was very, I didn't have a problem with her. I wasn't offended by her. Didn't like Mrs. Carnegie, but Claire really was trying to help her out and she just wasn't listening to her. She was doing her own thing anyway. And I liked Andrew, too. And John Ford. I think that was his name, the cook. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I enjoyed the book, but uh, I I think I feel about the, maybe the, the how she fell into the, the story that she picked up. I feel a little differently about it. I think that no harm was really done, and her reason for doing it was to try to help her fa her family. Um, I I thought she was um, very smart in that you know she was giving uh, Andrew Carnegie all sorts of ideas and things like that. But lately, I think I've read a lot of different uh, Irish books. I mean, such as the. Uh, uh, the series, uh, Molly Murphy, I haven't read all of them, but I have them here to read. And uh, one book that kind of came down, it, it's, a, it's a 20th century version in a way, was the Jackie's Girl, about the Irish girl that she, uh, that worked for her and took care of her children and things like that. And I think I'm getting off the subject, yeah. but um, I felt that... Uh, the mother was horrible, and uh, I think that as far as what what um, Clara Clara did, I mean, she she really did try to to do her job and uh, everything like that, and it just was circumstances that that the one that they were looking for, the Clara Kelly, had died, and you know it was kind of a ready-made opportunity for her to you know somebody had you know. To, to fall into this whole thing, and Clara Kelly was her name, but I, um, that's, that's kind of what I'm thinking, and uh, I think a lot of these books about Irish people coming over 
and getting jobs as maids and things like that. There are a lot of those books now, and I think some of them are better than this one. Okay, I only want to say that the Ladon hit it right on the head. There was no history here, but if you just look at the title, it's the history of the maid. Yes. Um, um, Carnegie was not always a good man. He was a robber baron with the Rockefellers. He turned the Pinkerton men loose on the steel workers. He did a lot of bad stuff, and then near the end, when he was going to die, practically, he started endowing libraries. Now that's good, you know. That's a good thing. So he's a, he, you know, some of the robber, robber barons did that, but he does not look good in history. Okay, and and but she doesn't fill in about Carnegie and his business deals mostly. She she, uh, it's the history of the maid, and uh, I like Clara. I think you misunderstood some of you, but I think she lived. I call it a lie because had she married him, the truth would have come out. Those women would never have accepted her anyway, and Carnegie would be off on business trips. It would have never survived. Yes, he loved her, and he was hunting for her for a year, and uh, and the mother did what a woman climbing, trying to climb in society did. She says she can't. And then he marries 20 years later. They found the right one, or I don't know if the mother was still alive. I would have liked more of the history of Carnegie and his business dealings uh, and so forth. That's just me. It was not true. It was... It, it, then it's not a historical novel. Then it's about the maid and uh, and uh, what she did. But she, uh, but I, I feel that again uh, that she misled. Then if you don't want to call it a lie, uh, it would have done harm had she married and that truth came out and it would have come out. That mother would have fought her every inch of the way. There used to be an old radio program called Stella Dallas. They made a movie of it. Lolly Baby was a poor girl living in Boston. She married a rich lawyer, rich man, and they fought her every step of the way. And Stella, who was a maid, never could be in their society, never was accepted. And I'm afraid that would have happened to Clara, too. Okay, um, first of all, Bob and Ruthann, I'm having a really hard time hearing you tonight, especially Ruthann. Um, so I think I caught everything you said, but I just wanted to let you know that if you can boost your volume at all, that'd be great. Um, in Clara's defense, though, she knew that she would never be able to marry Andra. So, I mean, it was like she she never tried to, she wasn't about trying to marry him. So, um, I mean, she she had feelings for him, but she knew all along that that would be, bo- that would be never permitted and that, in fact, not only would she never be permitted to be a member of the Carnegie family, but then if, they, if the word got out that there was even a possibility that they were messing around, she would be ruined in that, that whole network in terms of finding employment. So, I mean, I think she was really honest with him, and, and she was the one that was pushing him away. Um, they did get a little bit into I mean, they gave us a little glimpse into the robber baron aspect, not much, but I think that that's when Clara told him that um, to get on a different path, or, or I can't remember how she put it, but she was the one that said, you know, when, when she found out what he had done to the um, uh, to the people in Slabtown, um, and that they were losing, you know, all the steelworkers, that they were losing their jobs because of the merger and stuff, and that he was behind all that. She was the one that said, This is not okay. Um, you have to get on a different path. So, anyway, that's my little rant. You know what? I uh, like Clara, too. I actually didn't think she was being exactly dishonest the driver that picked her up was the one that uh, mistaked her for the other girl and kind of put her on the uh, 
coach wagon there or in the coach and took her there and so she was just going along and I thought well that's pretty gutsy really when you when you think about it and uh, I think she did fall uh, for him uh, and it was just that uh, in the end that she figured out that it wouldn't work at all because the mother remember the mother drove her off and said uh, if you ever come around here again well uh, I'll ruin you and so that uh, one of the things so I did think that um, the book gave me a nice little snapshot of post Civil War Philadelphia and I, I kind of enjoyed that part and I was thinking about the basketball team the Knicks and they used to be called the Knickerbockers and I was wondering what in the heck is a Knickerbocker what, how did they get their name and then of course I found out it was a family and so I picked up a little jewel of knowledge in there I think but anyway I did like I did like Claire and I thought that uh, she was pretty gutsy and uh, another thing is when the uh, uh, with her mother his mother when she go up there and serve her, she just made stuff up from books she had read. You know, how should you act in uh, in society? And so she made it up, and the lady went right along with it. So she did pretty good. And then uh, after about a year, she she was pretty knowledgeable too. So that's that's that. I just want to. I, I love this debate with Liz because she's so smart. I'm honored to be debating her. I contend that that uh, she did want to marry him. Uh, they were planning it. He says, give me time. Give me time to work it out. And girls like to get married. Uh-oh, I'm going to get in trouble. Yes, but are. that's their dream to get married. I could, If you're telling me that she would have lived as a servant all her life, maybe gone into business and broke away and never would have married him, that really makes her calculating. She fell in love with him. There's no problem there. No, but, but, Go ahead. He, but he was going up. He he was the one that really was kind of pursuing her. He was, but and she he, went with it. Well, what is she going to do? I oh, mean, okay. but, but But he was the one that really was pushing this marriage thing and everything. I thought, incidentally, that one of the one of the things that really was uh, kind of pointed out the whole business is when they went to New York and they had this beautiful hotel suite where they were getting everybody, you know, where Mrs. Uh, Carnegie was going to stay and everything, and they said, well, where do we put uh, this bag? She says, you take that to the servants' quarters. That's right. And that was um, a place very far. And there was another twin bed that would have been right there, and she she, could have, whatever. But I think She would have never done that. No, but... The mother. No, but uh, I'm... And then when she was at the, uh, the opera... And all these women, she uh, uh, she was sitting outside with all the other servant girls and and people, and they were all talking about how uh, odd Mrs. Carnegie was and how she would never be accepted. And look at how long she wears her sleeves, and, yeah. and uh, obviously, you know. Okay. And uh, that's I'm getting the thing. Is that it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, I I definitely. He was pursuing her, no doubt. I mean, she did fall in love with him and everything, but he's the one that started the uh, the marriage pursuit. So, uh, and he was pressuring her and everything. So, of course, she would have married him had things gone differently. But uh, it was his idea. He he he's the one that fell first, and 
as it turned out, of course, they did not get married, and I'm not sure that she would have married him in the first place. I mean, well, I know, they planned it, they planned for it, and of course, uh, Mama got in the way there, but I'm not sure if it really would have uh, ended in marriage or not, because she was a very, uh, Clara was a very um, independent woman who uh, had her own agenda, uh, in mind, and that was to get her family out of that wretched situation they were living in uh, in Ireland and get them over to America. So who's to say that even had Mama Carnegie uh, nixed the deal, uh, who's to say she would have married him in the first place? It was definitely Andrew's uh, mission to marry her, not necessarily Clara's. Yeah, I'll tell you... Um I had a problem with Andrew. He's 28 years old, and he's uh, in that society. I kind of thought he was just too nice a guy uh, to be doing this with his maid and um, really falling for her. Of course, that makes a romantic story. But I think in life, at least that's what I think, maybe I feel bad about people, but I think that... It wouldn't quite work like that. I think he'd have been more uh, aggressive with her. But as the story went, he did fall in love with her and really wanted to marry her. And we know that because after she left, he took years and years trying to search her down, hiring detectives and doing everything he could do to find her. And the book opens up with him feeling so, so bad that it didn't feel like his life could ever uh, be the same without her and since she was gone and of course in the end it, once again he goes back and tells about the, the people so he wanted to marry her sure enough and she wanted to marry him thought that was pretty neat man she's going to really make it but it was uh, Carnegie's mother that wouldn't allow it and uh, that she broke broke it up. And uh, anyway, it was a romantic story, but I was a little suspicious that. And when the butler kind of caught on what uh, was going on between them, caught, caught him in the hall and stuff, uh, kind of nuzzling up together, he tells her, hey, you know, things like this don't turn out good. Uh, um, servants and, the, and and their employers cannot mix. It won't work out. And I kind of thought he was right. And, of course, we found out. In the end, he was right. Very quickly, Mr. Ford was indeed right. He was the best friend she had. That's just reality. And I will say quickly, in Jackie's Girl, if you've ever read it, it was the girl's birthday. But Mrs. Kennedy changed her schedule and said, I don't care. You're working for me. You get off when you get off. And then they told her it's her birthday. And she had a cake way off in wherever they went. But, you know, the, the girl wanted to be out with her friends. You're a servant. That's to, even in 1960, Jackie's girl was just a little above Clara. It, I, I've never had a servant. I don't know what that's like. I very much remember that. And do you remember when they were in Ireland? She wanted to visit her mother and Jackie did her for something. And Jackie told her, no, you're not. You're busy. And yet she was generous in some ways when the girl got married. She gave her a lot of stuff and they even graced the wedding with their august presence. And her 
kids mixed with the Kennedy kids. I thought a lot of her. She waited a long time to write her book. But, oh, I'm like you. I would not want to be a servant. That There's just a line. And Jackie was to the manor born, however nice she was. She expected her stockings, her silk stockings, to be ironed, according to one book I read. And if you were her her secret service person and you were married, you had a problem. Of course, if you were single, you got to run with her to Greece and wherever else she was running on. David, do you, did you read this book? I appreciate, I'm sorry to swing to that, but I was just thinking to the modern servant, but did you read this book Carnegie's uh, made because you're a very astute reader like, like LaDon and others? I did read it and I was trying to skim over it again because I'd read it much earlier this year and I liked it but you all have brought up very excellent points. The mother was cold, exactly what you'd expect from Scotland, very cold. And the girl was, if you want to see her in one way, as plucky. She took advantage of a unique opportunity. Carnegie is probably presented as a little nicer here than he really could have been, though you see some of his idea about all this, you know, the way he got his railroad or... I think it was the Pennsylvania Railroad. They weren't above bribing people, moving people, and, and doing things. They say we're in a second Gilded Age, which scares me. I hope it's not true. But that was a winner-take-all sort of world. And yes, it was a very good book. I, I hope she writes other books. She continues, because it was a great glimpse at the class system that existed in a supposed democracy with old money Knickerbocker New York being very, you know, being very clannish to the post, especially to the post-Civil War people. I think that uh, uh, Andrews kind of gave away his real personality, uh, that he come kind of kind of a little bit of a reflection of his mother in there, because uh, when he was in New York, uh, he wanted to get in with those Knickerbockers. He didn't want to be on the outside. He wanted to be part of uh, society, too. And, and so I thought that was a little reflection of his mom, and it tells us a little bit, um, probably, about what the real Carnegie was really like. And so, so you know, when she wanted him, uh, warned him, says, uh, Andrew, you're, gonna, you're trying to get above your station, kind of like, you know, you, you don't need those people. You, you, that's not what you said. You said you wanted everybody to be uh, the same and so forth. But he didn't. He will, Well, he wanted to. But inside, subconsciously, he wanted to be part of society, too, in New York. And he was not going to let those people uh, put him out and say he wasn't good enough for them. And he was going to be make it into that society, um, everything else be damned. He was going to do it. And, and he got angry. Remember, they were in the park, and he got angry with, with her for uh, saying, oh, you, you shouldn't want to be part of those that's not that's not the way you have been I believe a popular song was it from the 60s some did he wanted to be in with the in crowd to go where the in crowd goes and know what the in crowd knows in library school we learned that he did endow all these libraries because libraries gave naught for naught meaning if you wanted to learn the library would be there but you would have to be responsible enough to take advantage and use those resources to better yourself he wasn't giving anyone a free ride Okay, I see Carla here, Randy. If we can let her speak, she just arrived, I guess. And she's always uh, adds great insight to these books. So back away, everybody, please. Thanks, Bob. I can't see who's here and who's not. When I try to, it throws me out. So 
Thanks for keeping an eye on that. Well, again, I'm sorry I'm late, but, you know, my mom has to come first, and she wanted to talk. She called, you know, she went, you know, and she, you know, I'm her caregiver, and she's in that home. But anyhow, um, um, I really loved this book. This is the kind of book that uh, I I would read. I, this was so much better than The River at Night. Oh, I'll tell you, that book just... That defeated me. <laughs> I thought like that, but this one, um, I, I think part of it was the Pittsburgh connection for me too, because I'm from this area and I, I sort of know a little bit about the history. But um, I really liked um, the way that the, um, that the author wrote the book and how she really showed the caste system, the class system. Um, there were certain bounds that servants didn't cross and it was sort of a you know I think it was a um, leftover uh, sort of an attitude from the slavery era and all that but even in the European culture that's how it was a servant was a certain caste or a certain class and um, she did a very good job of portraying that I was disappointed that they didn't work it out and that he didn't marry her I, I thought that would have been pretty neat I can see why it didn't work out but I was very disappointed that it didn't, I guess. And um, it was it was sort of interesting how it ended, um, too. Um, you, you wonder you wonder how happy Andrew is in his new life um, because he really did have his mind set on her. But I thought it was a good book. Okay, anyone else? I was hoping, too, that they would talk about John Ford more, and in the end, we found out that he was able to be with his family again. But I was interested in that aspect of it too. Actually, Mr. Ford was my favorite character in the whole book. He was a great guy, and um, I was so glad, you know, at the end when. Uh, when Clara, <clears throat> pardon me, when Clara um, reread the letter that uh, he had written her, that they had uh, he had reunited with his family, that was wonderful. And uh, you know, I am not a great lover of historical fiction, so uh, I know we've got another one coming up next month. I'm, I'm hoping that we will move on to another genre at least for a couple months after that. But uh, I'm glad I read the book, but uh, it's, not my, it's not my favorite genre. I think that's the great strength of this group. You get different books. I love historical fiction when it really is. Yeah. And I, I'm standing with LaDonna on that. I, the other Einstein was even better than this, and I didn't always like that book, but at least it talked about Einstein. You, right. you could trace it, and she did a, good, a better job of tracing but again, if you just focus on the maid, and she's I'm not even going to talk about the Carnegies very much, their history, what they did. If it's just the maid, then she did what she wanted to do. Yeah, this wasn't exactly a historical novel. It was just a novel that was <laughs> set in history because, like Bob said, they didn't really get into anything that Carnegie did hardly. It was all about the maid, and I guess that's what it was. Uh, it, it, that was the name of it, uh, Carnegie's Maid, so it was about him. But it, to me, it didn't seem like a historical novel, although it was set uh, uh, in the past, just post 
Civil War. Well, when you read the epilogue, you got sort of an idea of how the author went about writing the book, and um, I thought that was really interesting how she sort of um, created Clara and... Um, and um, you know, it was sort of it was speculative. Uh, so it was, it was, it was definitely historical fiction. It was definitely fiction. It was definitely historical. And you did get a lot of um, insights into the to that time period. And the one, of course, uh, big one was with the steel mills, all the the pollution. Pittsburgh, for centuries, has been known for its pollution. Anybody that still thinks of Pittsburgh with pollution would be very much surprised now because that isn't one of its biggest faults. But uh, but they, they really did a good job of portraying that. It was because of the, the steel mills and everything, and they did allude to things um, like the Homestead incident and all that in the book. So you could tell that she really had researched her history and it and again, it was nice how all those stories were interwoven, like John Ford's and Clara's and Thomas, who was the one that was supposed to marry the real Clara, and uh, the families, and even the the, um, the neighbors. I, I really didn't like that Mrs. Atkinson and those ladies that were saying things about her street, her her sleeve length, and all that. But that's just the way it was. And I think they, I think that um, the author did a very good job of portraying that period of history and that particular caste system that was in place at the time. Well, I, respectfully, if you're Carla, if you're calling it historical fiction, it was very weak. Read America's First Daughter by Patsy Jefferson. We have letters. Yes, she they made up conversations. The author. But she shows letters written by Jefferson to all of his mistresses and everybody. You can, you know, factual. Yes, the epilogue is where Marie tries to catch up. Okay, this is what happened. He got married in 20 years and all that. But Carnegie was a robber baron. He was no, none of us is always good or always bad. But he, but he's known in historical genre as a robber baron with the Rockefellers and the Morgans and these guys. They were the Gilded Age and they stomped on everybody by the end. Uh, and then, of course, he turned and gave his money to philanthropic things, which is commendable. But he hurt a lot of people along the way. Yeah, I thought it was interesting uh, what she said about uh, the condition of the city at the time. But they'd be out walking and they would get soot on their clothes and so forth. And uh, that was give us a little hint of what life like back then like, might have been a little bit like. And uh, it was not something you'd think about. You know, that's interesting talking about the pollution Pittsburgh is known for because I've heard within the past was it ten or fifteen years it has radically transformed itself. No more pollution. It is a high tech hub now. It has re um, recast itself as a sort of Silicon Valley East, and Carnegie Mellon University is in the forefront of that, if I'm not mistaken. You are correct, and um, it was with the closing of the steel mills and the end of the industrial age. But even as late as the 40s, my mother used to work downtown. She worked for IBM, and she said when she'd come home, her white slips would be black, and, you know, things would be black from the pollution, and she'd have to always launder launder her clothes very often because of that, and the black and the soot would get into the curtains and everything, and the sky was sort of a grayish, darkish sort of a 
tint because of the pollution and it was something unfortunately that Pittsburgh was known for but um, thankfully we did get away with that get away from that with the um, um, you know with the um, end of the industrial age and the beginning of the technology age and you are correct about Carnegie Mellon University and they're very well known for their robots and everything but Getting back to what your comment was, Bob, um, you're right. There wasn't what there would be in a typical historical uh, novel um, or historical fiction even. There there weren't bunches of, of letters and, and things like that from the, the um, personages that lived in that time. But um, it was fiction, and if you read about Carnegie, he did stomp on a lot of people, but towards the end, there was a change in his approach and his personality, and he got to be more of a philanthropist as as he aged. So um, I think that part of it was was pretty accurate. Wasn't there... If we, I'm sorry, but let's see if we can get Julie on. I don't think she's spoken at all, Randy, and if you don't mind, since you're not seeing the thing up there. Can we back off and see what Julie has to say? And after that introduction, I don't know if she's still here. I haven't looked up the arrows here. Okay, I'm sorry. There is no Julie here, Bob. I'm sorry, there was. Thanks, Marsha. Yeah, she was here at the beginning, but she must have left. Go ahead, Liz, whatever you were going to say. Wasn't there a very, I mean, a real history event that happened uh, with the steel mills somewhere close to Pittsburgh where there was a weird inversion and the pollution got s- trapped toward the, like, in the, like at ground level. And several people died in a weekend because of the pollution. I, I remember seeing it a long time ago on the Weather Channel, and I just cannot remember the name of the event, but it was outside of Pittsburgh, I'm pretty sure, um, in Pennsylvania, where there was a weather inversion that trapped the pollution at the ground level. It's interesting. I don't remember that event, but I'm sure it happened. I know the um, homestead, homestead uprising was a real event, and they did allude to that. Um, um, but um, and, and there were some, there were a couple of fires, and of course the unions. Um, I think Pittsburgh. I think the unions. They uh, they own their. They owe their formation to the the poor conditions that were in the steel mills of Pittsburgh, because those those guys really did work under very dangerous, hard conditions. Yeah, I know there was a that that event happened in London back in 1952. I guess for like a month, and that killed uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of people. Um, when the uh, Pollution inversion was trapped close to the with the London fog or something. But anyway, uh, yeah, nobody's really mentioned uh, uh, Clara's relatives. You know, the the ones that lived over on Rebecca Street, and uh, they were going through similar, uh, you know, the the poverty and everything as was uh, the Clara's immediate family back in Dublin, and uh, but. That family, you know, with the the kids, I don't remember the mom and dad's names or anything, but they seemed to take everything so well. And then he got fired from his uh, very dangerous job there at uh, at the ironworks, and um, and had to move from the uh, hobble they lived in even into a worse situation. And then Clara 
uh, cashed her stocks in or whatever and helped them get out of their situation. And that's where the little granddaughter, or no, her little grand uh, niece came into the picture at the end there. But uh, they, they seemed like a, a very good bunch of people, too. Oh, they were. And the uh, servants used to give them uh, meat and food. Mr. Ford, the servants would give meat and food for them. And uh, yeah. Aunt Claire, Clara, pardon me, at the end, uh, you know, they went into the Carnegie Library or whatever. And that was that was a good ending, the way she did that, uh, did that I think. And um, I, if I were writing the novel, I would have brought some of those, her Irish family from Ireland, her sister, because Cecilia died, but the other sister, I can't remember, I uh, brought them over. Then what would Clara have done with them? That would have been interesting, but that, that did well, not happen. They went to Boston, didn't they? They all finally moved to Boston, yeah, but not in the book, though. It's, it's, it's kind of an ending. You know, they moved to Boston, she said. But, I mean, in the middle, and met Mrs. Uh, Carnegie, maybe. That would have been wild. Okay. I'm just, that's why I'm not a writer. Yeah, I thought that way the author ended the book by uh, skipping down 30 years and Clara was taking her grandniece there to see the the library and they saw the library and she was thinking of herself, Clara was thinking of herself, uh, what she had done and what she would, when she was uh, back there and that she was part of that library. She felt that uh, she was partially responsible for those libraries and I just thought that was a nice warm warm way for the author to end the book and uh, it it really uh, was pretty nice. Yeah, and the fact that that Clara became a nurse, that that was really cool too. And I guess she got her inspiration from the time when uh, Mrs. Carnegie was in the hospital and she was talking to the nurse. So I thought that was uh, a really neat way for, uh, you know, her, you know, the, to gain her profession. Uh, that was very nice also. Yeah, that's true. She became a nurse, and when she um, met the nurse before, uh, she thought, oh, there, there's a... Uh, something that women can can do, you know, a profession that can be open to women, and so I think that's one of the reasons she wanted to serve people. But when she first uh, saw the nurse, she didn't, you know, you could be a servant, you could be that, but here was a, a profession that one could uh, be proud of and and do, and so she that's why she became a, a nurse. some things to discuss with this group whenever you want to give the time to it. Okay, does anybody else have anything pressing they want to say? And then we can talk about a couple things. Well, (laughs) I'm just going to make this last comment. Uh, You know, Bob, don't take this personally. I think y'all are trying to beat up on this novel a little bit because you're you're trying to cast it as being a, uh, a you know a pure historical fiction. This is just a, a a pure novel that has a real person that lived in real life in it. I mean, it it, it it's no no more historical fiction than Abraham Lincoln taking on those zombies and whatever that book is. So uh, y- y- y'all need to cut it some slack because I, I think she did a pretty good job. Uh, you know, taking the pieces of history that she wanted to present and and put it into her novel. So that's all I wanted to say. 
and Ellen, I try not to take anything personal. <laughs> I'd be crying every minute. Uh, no, uh, it, it came out through the discussion. Historical fiction, histor historical. You're absolutely right. It's Carnegie's made, and I, fo I, I even said that in, in the middle. You focus on the made. I would have liked to have heard more about the Carnegie family and what they did, but Marie chose to just bring it up in the epilogue. So there, but we don't want to necessarily say that historical fiction to me are letters are some proof going on in there that there's going to be one next month. The Nazis did exist. You know, these guys really did, and you'll hear all about them. Okay. Anyway, that's great, Alan. Good thought there. You're right. Yeah, I'm, I've got my Wikipedia article pulled up. on. I'm going to read some of the real facts about Carnegie when we're done. <laughs> Alan, you had me. I'm just some. That, that was good. That was funny. But you're right. And she took what she wanted, and there's history in it. You just have to look for it. And it, it's there. Especially when you, it's history about the city of Pittsburgh, which I thought was very well written. I felt like I was back there. Anyway. I just wanted to remind everybody, if you haven't downloaded it yet, the book for next month is Beneath the Scarlet Sky, and it's DB90012. DB90012, that's the first thing. Secondly, um, Ruthann and Bob and I were talking, and we want to know what you think about moving this to 8 o'clock instead of 9 o'clock on Friday nights. I personally would like to, and Carla, I think I know what you're going to say, but majority rules here, so let's see what everybody thinks. 8 o'clock gets my vote. In fact, I was just thinking that tonight, because I know the, the Allen's group moved from 9 to 8, and I think that's a great idea, and I, I hope uh, everyone is in agreement. But yes, 8 o'clock gets my vote. Eight o'clock is good with me, um, but I, you know, nine o'clock is fine too. But definitely eight o'clock, and and I know that Shell from Wales likes to join us, and that would really help her um, be a part, of, an easier part of this group. Um, poor thing, she's up in the, literally the middle of the night joining this group sometimes. I'm certainly flexible and can do whatever the group would like, because of course I'm on Central Time, so it's. It'll be going from 8 to 7 for me, which is fine. I'll go with the group. Very sadly, because I'm aware of what Carla does, she just doesn't sit there and say, oh, good, it's, you know, it's early, I, I want to go late. She helps her mother, teaches class, oh, yeah. and I hope and pray that we won't just miss her, that she won't get upset. But I've got to vote for the uh, the 5 o'clock, the 8 o'clock thing, because we're reading 7.30, 8 o'clock, and I'm a crazy guy. I get up at 5 in the morning. I do my best work in the morning. Maybe that's with old age. I'm really going. Then I fade around at 12 you know, or something. And that's selfish. I have to write a lot of news wires, answer people, get prizes for our chapter. I mean, you know, every, everybody's busy. So I have to vote for the 5 o'clock Pacific time, 8 o'clock Eastern. And that, and that was uh, fictional to know uh, that's already moved to uh... – to eight o'clock. That's uh, Michelle Bernstein's and Sherry Wells' group, not mine. So we we still meet at at uh, nine on the third Tuesday. And I'm I'm uh, if I had a life, it might be a problem. But uh, moving it up an hour's fine with me. So uh, 
that's good. Sorry, Alan. I, I, after I said it, I was like, oops, nope, that's not Alan's group. Sorry for the confusion. That's, that's me, confused. Okay. Yeah, I just want to say that I, I would go with either 8 or 9 o'clock. I, I like the, the 8 o'clock better. However, I really hate to lose somebody in this group if 8 o'clock is just impossible for them. And I, I've, you know, found that, you know, Carla many times, everybody in this group I was listening tonight has something good to say about the books that we're reading. And I would hate to lose anybody, but I know that it's, you know, the way it is. You have Carla at one end and, and uh, Shell at the other, yeah. who comes in at 3 in the morning or whatever she does. So it's a difficult thing. It's, it's hard. Well, you're right. You know what I'm going to say. Um, well, selfishly, 9 does work better for me, especially on days that I work in the city. There will be days that I just, you know, I'm just getting my dinner at 8 or 8.30. Um, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll do, you know, majority does have to rule, and I will do my best to get here. Um, it's it's getting to an 8 o'clock anything is, is, is a challenge, um, and um, but I will, I will try to do my best if that's what the group decides. And could you please repeat the name and DB of the, the book number? Um, one more time, I was, I was writing and listening at the same time, and you know how that goes. Okay. Um, I hope you can make it to 8 o'clock. I would hate to lose you, too. Um, you know, like Bob said, we have Shalom in the middle of the night trying to come in and trying to fit it in with your schedule. So I, you know, I hope you can still make it. The book is the DB number is 90012 and the book is Beneath the Scarlet Sky by Mark Sullivan 90012 Beneath the Scarlet Sky by Mark Sullivan Okay, and the other thing from an administrative position and I'll ask Alan to help me out um, Accessible World and Radio Out of the Past will be moving to the Zoom platform. I want to say at the beginning that I was against this. After all, Talking Communities has been very good to us. They give our rooms free of charge to us. But they also are not developing anything. They, 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 they haven't updated since 2010 or 11. And they have their own issues. I've written to them many times and get no answer. A lady by the name of Pat Seed is now running it. She gets six months, a grant they're trying to get grants, and is a very lovely, lovely lady. But I'm convinced, after being in some Zoom things, and we're all working on it, Alan's going to comment here, I'm sure, um, the quality is better. You can get in with a telephone, an iPhone, what else? A Mac, the regular computer, take your choice. And I'll only say that what's going to happen is, um, you if and you should be getting the news wires. If you're not on any list, that makes it harder. You better send an email to someone because we send you a, an invitation, a recurring invitation. Even if you change the times back and forth, it's still your room 24 hours. It's your thing. You can meet at 2 in the morning. You don't need to really, you know, we say 9 o'clock or 8 o'clock or whatever we say, but uh, it could be any time. So I want to make that really clear. But you'll get an invitation each month. I'm going to ask Randy. She, she writes the newswires. 
Um, her next one, if she send it to me, I will put it at the top and get rid of some of the bottom, and she'll have a sample. She'll, you know, we'll send it. Alan will not send any newswires out unless the invitations for each group are on the top. Each group has its own ID number. Don't think rooms. And anyway, we think it's going to be great. We, you know, I hope it will be. We're having a major meeting of the leaders of Accessible World and others on the 22nd to have a Mystic Access get help. They've done a lot of the training for us, training hosts. So um, we're going to answer questions. But let me see if Alan has a comment, and then we'll answer any questions. Yeah, uh, uh, I'm, I'm excited about this too. Uh, I mean, I, obviously, like any new technology, there'll be a learning curve, and it'll take us some time to, to you know, to, to get everything straight. But uh, I, I've participated in some meetings. I'm sure several of y'all have too. Uh, the, the audio quality is outstanding, and uh, uh, like Bob said. They've got platforms. I mean, you can get on this thing. You don't have to have a computer. You can, uh, if you have a smartphone, either Android or an iPhone, you, the, they have a, an app, and it is so easy with that app to, to participate. There's also they also have uh, clients that you can download to computers, whether you have a Windows computer, uh, a Linux computer, a Mac computer. It it, it covers the basis, and. Uh, They've got extensive help documents, and uh, I, I think it's going to be a I think it's going to be a great platform, and it's just going to be a lot easier for anybody to participate. You know, let's, let's face it; people are moving to smartphones, whether we are or not, uh, and uh, it, it's good to have a, a platform that'll support that. Thanks. Yeah, I've used Zoom quite a few times, and I love it. The audio is outstanding, and you know, uh, when I get an invitation to to go into a Zoom room for lack of anything better to call it um you know you just get a link and you, you hit enter on the link and you're there um, well you might have to download the client the first time but it, it isn't difficult at all um and also there are phone numbers that you can call and uh, if you're not you know if you're not by your computer or whatever or as alan and bob said if you've got the the smartphone um there's an app for it but I do have a question. What is going to happen to all the archives up on uh, Radio Out of the Past? I know this isn't a uh, literature question, but are they going to be put somewhere, Bob? Is this for the book reading groups as well uh, as Radio Out of the Past? Uh, are, they gonna, are you going to change these also? And did I hear someone say you need an invitation so you know the number? And how does someone get an invitation in it? How do you get new people to come in if you have to have an invitation to them? I, uh, okay, I just don't understand. Oh, I'm sorry. We did our best, and I'll, I'll try again. We own Radio Out of the Past and Accessible World, Helping Hands for the Blind, the charity that I work for and with. Uh, pays, you know, there's money behind it. Pays our web designer. We own the websites, Marsha. So the archives will continue. On Radio Out of the Past, what's going for us here will be for Radio Out of the Past. They're going on Zoom also. Uh, how do I get an invitation? Do you get a newswire? Are you on any of our lists? We also are going to try to put the invitations up on our websites. I don't know, LaDon, how you found us before. I I, I see you on DB Review, but um, we, we put them. Alan sends newswires everywhere. So if it was novel ideas, for example, you'll see the invitation because Alan distributes them so well. 
So that's one place. Another place we'll, we're going to try, the group has asked me to look into putting the invitations up on the, both websites. And that's another way. That's some people, as um, my friend Michelle uh, Bernstein uh, says, uh, they I found you by going on the website and reading news wires and stuff. So we're going to try to do that too. So that's how you find us. So if you're on any of our list, if you get any of our news wires, that's the easy way because the invitation will be there right at the top. And it is, you do not, Marsha, it's good to download and get involved in Zoom, but if you choose not to, you can get in through the uh, the computer uh, or the iPhone that you get you get links and you enter and you join. Um, having done some things with Zoom, um, you know, I'm taking some of the Accessible World iOS classes now. Um, I, I would like to make one suggestion. Um, when you make the transition, um, things can be um, a little bit rough going at the beginning. Um, so uh, I would suggest that maybe whenever you um, make the transition that you send um, an introductory um, newswire out about it and in that include the links to the classes about Zoom and, and all the information that's possible about Zoom because sometimes it's it can be a little um, tough going until you get the gist of it unless you have a little guidance there. I mean, I hope that's not too much trouble, but that would be my suggestion. And, and by the way, when is the transition going to take place? Uh, it's a good one. We'll, we'll talk about that after the training. Alan and I and others will talk about there is a Zoom tutorial, for example, that Mystic Access has. We could download that link. Doing all the invitations in one newswire, I don't know, I'll think about that because I'm not in many of them. I wouldn't care. Uh, I, I know the ones I want, and I see the newswire. Um, the transition starts September 10, Tech Talk. You're the first group to hear about it, but, they, but the, the transition is September 10. Somebody said, why don't you have Zoom training on the Tech Talk, on the Tech Talk, Talking Communities client? We all voted that that's a little unethical. That's a little unethical to go in there and talk about another client, and we aren't. We will not do that. So that I don't know if I've answered every question, Ladon, but uh, we're spreading the word as best we can. September 10 is when it starts. And you can get in on the phone too if you would rather just call. There's a phone. You get a phone number in the invitation for your landline as well. You can call from a landline and listen and participate that way. I'm really excited. I can't wait. I was so happy when Bob told me that he was learning about this and that we were going to be doing it because I kept telling him <laughs> for a couple of months before about how great Zoom was. <laughs> yeah, and, and I really like it because Randy's using a Mac they're Mac users who cannot get into our client. This is, this is kind of a and and good time. so oh boy. So? Okay. Um, I'm sorry. I just, okay, hang up. No, Bob, I'm talking to Alan, so I'm not going to. We'll tell her we'll call back. Oh. Okay. Anyway, what I'm trying um, trying to can you go in the okay. other room? What I'm trying to uh, say okay. is um, landline international line. If okay. if uh, Shell wants we'll to hear. use it. Mm -hmm. um, if uh, you know, uh, but she comes in on the computer and she would just join us. I hope I've answered the the question. I can't remember now with the phone calls here. I apologize, 
but we start September 10. People are going to know about it anyway, believe me. And we'll never do that, you know. And he said, okay, you're open again. So uh, we really have no contract. It's just a word, and they're already, we hear they're fading out. Well, they've done a lot for us, and I think they should be thanked. Um, But as we do go into the Zoom transition, um, we need to make it clear that I'm excited, too. It is good. The sound quality is good, but the technique for getting in is a little bit different. Um, There's the meeting ID thing, and um, so even when you get on the phone, um, you you have to have that, and uh, that has to be made clear. Uh, That was something that... I didn't quite understand at the beginning. I guess it may not have been explained, um, or maybe I just didn't get it. But um, it is a bit of a different process. But once explained, I think we'll be fine. Yeah, uh, maybe I can write something up. I'll, Bob and I will will uh, put our heads together and and see because I mean, uh, I, I'm a big fan of people going in and setting up a. Uh, uh, j- just like you do with the lots of stuff, if you ever order from Amazon, you have to go in and set up a an online account with a with a username and an ID, and it, it's just helpful because once that's established, whenever you uh, lo- log in to any of these meetings, which a number of y'all attend, you'll be identified and stuff, and it, it'll it'll work. I mean, you just set it all up, and it'll be boom, you'll be in there. So. Uh, uh, and, and like Randy said, you can either do it with a regular landline phone, you can do it with a, a smartphone, or you can do it just like we've been doing with our computers and stuff with a, with a downloaded app. But we'll, we'll try to write up something that kind of outlines some of that. And it's like, like anything else, there'll be some learning involved. But uh, I, I, And one of the biggest learning things is for everybody not to talk over one another because uh, uh, that's one thing I have liked about talking communities. I do like the fact that you have to uh, raise your hand, have to get the microphone before you can speak, and we can't all talk over each other because uh, that can get kind of nasty at times. But uh, uh, we'll, like I said, we'll, we'll get through this, and it's a, it's a great platform. Okay, let me say, though, for a group like this, I think it would be wise, Randy, if you unmuted everybody at first and made us use the rules of conference calling. Randy, may I be recognized? This is Bob. Instead of, you know, but if you all started screaming, we love you, we'll mute you all. And you don't want that. Yeah, Alan's right. You can mute everybody. And if Carla's got her hand up, there's a way that the host can recognize Carla and she speaks. But I think we're adults. I think when we, on Star Six, you can do it on the phone and uh, everything else and mute yourself, you know. Uh, and uh, or we can mute you. We can. Uh, we. But I don't want to. I'd, I'd like to. I'd like to unmute. Be civilized. If you're going to bake cookies, like the lady did with the phone bridge the other day, and it and interrupted a very important speaker, then we would first try to find her. But then we'd probably mute everybody. We said let her bake the cookies. But the the presenter, if it's Carla, she gets to speak. And then we see another hand come up, and we we bring them in. I don't want to do that with this group. Tech talk. We have to. We get forty to fifty people sometimes. And we have to work on muting a little bit. Well, even the raising your hand and everything couldn't be easier. It's like Alt-Y on the computer, Star 9 on the phone. And you're right, it depends on the atmosphere. Like if you're doing a class, like the Mystic Access classes, Chris Grabowski will just mute. You know, everybody's unmuted at the beginning. Then he mutes everybody. And then Lisa Salinger does the presentation or whoever's doing it. And then after it's over... 
Um, he'll say, do you have any questions? And if you're on the phone, I think you hit star nine. And if you're on the computer, you, you press Alt-Y. And um, he'll say, oh, um, um, Carla has her hands up. Or some. if you're not registered, and this is something that I, I don't quite understand that wasn't explained to me very well, if you don't set up an account, can you go back retroactively and do that? Because otherwise... If you don't, you are identified by a number, I guess, and sometimes you don't know what your number is. Uh, I don't, I don't quite understand that part of it. So, I sort of came into it through the back door. And when we go through this with Accessible World and Radio Out of the Past, I, I would hope we could come in the front door by by all knowing what we were doing. And that's why I say just to, whenever you send out an inter, you know a news wire about the transition having the links to the tutorials and some basic zoom commands and how it works would be huge yes for example randy i think uh, if you're reading did you ever get uh meet me in the cloud the first uh, chapter that there's different commands for the mac people shift alt y i think but i don't remember i have it written in braille and we can and these are some things that maybe alan and i can work on on commands to send to everybody so if I had a Mac, oh, my gosh, what do I do? Some of it is just easy. You go in, but you still want to be able to mute yourself and so forth. Carla knows a great deal about it. Uh, yeah, I think you can go back and create an account, uh, uh, and you don't. Uh, you can get like a free room account, I guess. Alan knows more about this. The reason, if, is, as Carla said, if you don't have an account and you're calling from an iPhone, your phone number comes up. Now, there is if you're the speaker... If, if, let's say you're a speaker for Tech Talk. We can cha- we can find is given the name. We, there's a way to go down and 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 put the name up once you know. But if it's somebody in the group that he has a phone number, uh, I'd rather have names. So I'm with Alan on that. But maybe Alan will give some training or something. And you know, where do I go? I get the app. What do I do? You know, we might have to do some teaching there if we want these guys to get free accounts and uh, just so they can get their name on all the meetings. That, that's something we have to work with. I know if you do it on the iPhone through the app, I downloaded the app a few months ago and set it up. And then one day I was listening to Legend Oldies Radio, the coffee club, and I wanted to chime in on something, so I called in. And I showed up as Randy's Randy on an iPhone, I think. Somehow it showed up my name and I was on the iPhone. So I thought that was pretty neat. But I'm, and yeah, Bob, I did get the book. I went and I was, since I'm on my Windows computer, I was able to get into Dropbox and download it. So I'll have it. I just have to unzip it. But I'll, I have it now. So I'm good to go. Well, if anyone in this uh, group, Jonathan Mosen has allowed me to, to give the book to certain people that I choose because I bought a few from him. Uh, but if you need Meet Me in the Cloud, it's it's Jonathan Marshall Mosen. Moses. Jonathan Mosen at his best. Write me a note. I'll give me your email on the body, and I'll send space it to you. That's the best I can Our do. Lady. That's the best we can do there. But anyway, I think with this group, it would work with not muting, just getting in, letting the moderators run it, and ask for recognition. We're adults. We want, I want to hear from everybody because think of it as Skype. You could yell at each other. You know, hey, you're crazy and all that. You can, and then we'll mute, mute, mute you all. Every, every group's going to have an administrative host. 
and we can do and a co and an alternate host. And you have them right here, I think, in this group. But uh, you know, we don't want to do that. I, I, we are going to treat you like adults. Tech talk? Yeah, we have to. Or a special program where there's, you know, we had Martha Harmon Pardee, 70 people in there. Jonathan Mosin gets 300. Well, we got to mute because, it, it, and they did that first with Mystic Access. Everybody was talking. It was chaos. But then they got smart. They said, oh, no, we're going to mute you guys. I'm going to give my presentation, and then we'll answer questions. It got more civilized. Okay, I have a question. If, if everybody is unmuted... Um, does that mean that we're going to be listening to the ambient sounds from everybody's house as well? Um, like, would the mics be picking up if my husband walks through and is talking to the cats or if somebody's got music playing in the background? Is that all going to be heard too? Yes. So, I mean, it's going to... The, the, the rules are going to apply like, like it does with any kind of conferencing phone calls where everybody's live. So, I mean, I, I agree with Bob. Th these small book groups, I'm thinking we're probably not going to have to mute... Uh, anybody, because we we got a limited number of folks, and like he says, we're all adults. But man, I was I was on one of those Mystic Access calls at the beginning before the program started. I almost had to open a vein. It was horrific. Uh, it, it, I almost had to crawl through my skin. All those people were talking on each other. You think you think it was a bunch of animals and stuff that they they were so rude, and it was uh, it was horrific. But uh, uh, the, the nice thing about Zoom is if you're in that kind of a venue, you can. There are ways you can mute everybody and stuff, so hopefully we won't we won't need to be doing that. So, uh, uh, and Randy, I, I'm interested that that you were present. My understanding was if you ever called into the, like a phone number, it didn't have any way to identify you. That's interesting that you did that that one time and it, it identified you as Randy on the phone. I wonder how it was able to to do that because uh, I, I would think normally if you have an account, I can understand if you have an account how it. You know, if you're using a, you know, the client on your computer and stuff, uh, it, it knows who you are. Or if you're using an, an app on your smartphone, it knows who you are. But uh, that's, that's curious that it was able to do that when you dialed in. So it's like I said, we're going to learn stuff as we go. Okay. And we'll, we'll conclude here. But uh, Liz, I think, asked a question. What we would say is we are hearing music. Could you please stop? Stop it. You can do a star six. I believe Alan can check me, but you can. You can mute yourself, okay? And we have a checklist. We can even have a checklist which says, let them mute themselves. And you check it. And if you, and the guy with the music didn't stop, let's say, then we'd mute everybody. We, you know, the guy's not cooperating. Like I told you, the lady baking the cookies was awful. She, we begged her. We told her, you're interrupting a very important speaker. Did she care? So we stopped. The, what do we do? We suspended the phone bridge. That we were using. We're not, we, why should we do that when some rude person gets in there and, and messes it up? So the mute all solves that problem. Or you mute yourself. We can check that and try that and uh, see how it works. With this group, it will. We, we're friends. I don't think we get in violent arguments. Uh, you know, I really enjoy this group. Yeah, I would, that's what I was just going to say. You can mute yourself, too. So uh, if, if the cats are making too much noise or... Uh, or the TV's on too loud, or whatever. And if you if you don't have if you're not talking right then, and uh, you don't have anything to say, just mute yourself. And then when you got something to say, unmute, and there you go. So I don't think we'll have a problem at all. Now I've got a uh, just a real quick question, and I'm, I think I'm going to get out of here too. But uh, can you mute? Can the administrator mute individuals 
or is it all mute all or mute no one? Just, uh, just, to, just curious. Sorry, Marsha. Just to clarify, Alan, when I called in, I was in Zoom. I was on my iPhone in the Zoom app, and I called in on that to the coffee club, and it showed up as Randy on an iPhone. I hope that when you write the instructions that you make them pretty basic because technology is not always my friend. And sometimes I have difficulty under, understanding how to do things like that. But if you're all live and it's a small group like this, I would think that would have probably be just like my book club I go to here in town. You know, we don't mute mute each other, and we don't get in there and fight with one another either. You know, everybody takes their turn, and like in any conversation. But anyway, like I say, I hope that the the instructions are pretty straightforward, or I won't understand them. Well, if it helps, we took eight months to decide to do this. We have talked about how do you train everybody one-on-one. That's hard. Kim and Chris, who are helping us with Mystic Access, said sometimes you got to jump into the pool. And if a guy has a problem, you try to help him. You try to help him to get to the next one. He writes emails. You go back and forth. Or you can meet him in the room, you know, at another time in practice, too. You know, we're available. Alan's available. He's very busy, and so am I. But we can get a Michael Lamar. We have some guys who really know it now, Michael and Daniel. So we could do that. If you wrote and said, I, I just don't understand this. Could I have one-on-one with somebody? I, I can help you if you write me. And the other question uh, was muting something about muting. Uh, yes. Uh, if we know the name, if we have recognized the guy, his hand is up, right? Uh, yeah, you can mute him. You know, if he's acting like an idiot. It's the guy that's baking the cookies way down the list. And you say, please, you know. If you know them, if they say, that's Marsha Moses, and there's her name, then I'll mute, I'd mute her, and I love Marsha. She wouldn't do that. But uh, that was harder. But, yeah, if, if, if the guy is an idiot at the top and yelling and screaming, Alan or I could mute him, absolutely, and, and remove him. There's a, place, there's a place to remove the guy from the whole thing. Um, I have, uh, I, uh, this probably isn't the place for this, but uh, since we're talking about it, maybe you can help me with this. One thing that I'm finding with Zoom, um, it's very difficult to tell when the moderator's computer is talking or my computer is talking and I need to do something about it because it's the same voice, it's the same jaws. And and there have been times that I've I've tried to do something about it and it wasn't my computer and I've cut myself off. And so I don't know if there's a way of telling that. And then the other intriguing question I have, if you set up an account, can you have a room and have a group of your own? Like if I wanted to have a class on Zoom, could I do it? Or would I have to, is there something that you'd have to go through to do that? Yes, you can. You you can get a free room, a free thing for 40 minutes. That's one. Two, an account, a pro account is fourteen ninety five a month. I got mine a year for the year, $100. It was cheaper. I don't know why, however. And you get, yeah, you get an account and you'd have, they don't like the word room, but you're right. You could set up your own invitation, you know, and uh, Carla, if you ever want to set up a class, Helping Hands would pay for your training with Mystic Access and they would show you how to do it. 
I, I don't know how to do it. I'm going to learn how to do an invitation before I become a host. All our invitations are done. Mystic Access did them. We have them for novel ideas and everything. But, you know, Randy may want to invite a friend or I might want to invite somebody to a meeting or whatever. Or Then I've got to learn how to do it. And But with novel ideas, if I saw a good uh, person, I just send them the invitation that we have already written. It never changes. It's recurrent. You can schedule meetings. You can hold one meeting. And like if we do Tech Talk stocking stuffers, we don't need to change it. What if your meeting's on Christmas Day? Just don't send an invitation. You're not going to meet on Christmas Day. You skip it. You know, I asked them these dumb questions. They said, wait a minute. What about Christmas Day and the holidays? You just don't send the invitation out. The room is still there 24 hours a day. Yeah, and, and Carla, your question, I mean, stuff like, like, like the Jaws voices and stuff, uh, I, I don't know what the answer to that is. That, that's going to be the kind of things we're going to probably have to learn as we go. But uh, we will, and uh, also, the, uh, like Bob was saying, the, the nice thing about a free account is, well, you'll understand the restriction. You can have an unlimited uh, 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 meeting as long as there's no more than two people. Well, you just do that on the phone normally instead of going to a, a Zoom meeting. Once you've got three or more people in a meeting, it's a free account. You're restricted to only 40 minutes. So, uh, I mean, if you can get your meeting done in that amount of time, uh, a free account would be all you'd need. So uh, it, it, it's pretty powerful. And, and like I say, the uh, uh, we'll, we'll write up something to tell people how to set up their own accounts and stuff uh, because it's pretty easy to do, just like any other online account you've ever set up. And they've got a, a lot of help documents and stuff on their site as well. I pledge that. By September 1, we will. I want to let, I want to try again writing to talk TC, who never answers me. Very, the support guy may or may not do it, but I'll do my very best and, and write a letter. They're going to hear it probably, some of them maybe, maybe not, on the 27th. We're doing the same thing with Tech Talk. And, uh, but I promise you that a newswire will come out September 1, and we'll tell you what we're doing. And Alan is good at writing it. I'll run it by Chris if he doesn't mind, just to make sure we're all accurate. And we'll go with it. We'll send it to all the lists. Absolutely, we'll announce it. So uh, if there's nothing else, I haven't heard. Uh, I think I hope we've hit all the questions. And we're not experts, okay? But Mystic Access has been terrific. Now, Bob, I expect, you know, once we move over to the Zoom platform, surely we'll have a Tech Talk one night once we're on that platform that addresses uh, Zoom and probably gives a little bit more information to folks. That's a great idea, Alan. Thank you. Keep reminding me. We will. After the 10th, I promise that we'll do that, too. We'll have a Tech Talk training and get Mystic Access in there and answering questions. It might even be two hours, you know, and guys can fire away and ask questions. That's an excellent idea. Alan, just as a um, touch base here, we're meeting this coming Tuesday. Is that correct? If Alan remembers to show up, yeah, that's correct. And I will be there, and we're going to talk about The Great Alone by Kristen Hanna and uh, I'm I'm still sorry that I missed it uh, in June. So are we switching to eight o'clock for September? Then is that what everybody wants to do? Yeah, I think so. Let's try it for three months. Let's see if Carla can make it in. I I I, I would do whatever the group wanted. So, but I think we hear clearly. Let's try it. And uh, Randy, in your newswire, yes, give the time again near the top. 
It doesn't matter what the invitation says. If it's, it, it, I, I'm not sure what we put. I can check it and try to change that to, to 8 o'clock Eastern. Uh, you can change the, the the top. The top is just words. We invite you to, you know, novel ideas uh, at 9 o'clock or whatever. That's easily, it's a, you put it in a Word doc and change it, you know, to 8. And then let's say we want to go back to 9. Well, we can do it. You just Nothing changes below the ID number. And uh, that's interesting, Carla. Yeah, with the ID number, because I figured that out. I knew what they asked for it. I go, whoops, let me go to my Braille note and copy it down. I don't know what this thing is. But maybe somebody's confused. So Alan will keep that in mind when he writes his, his great paper, because he writes better than I do. All right, anything else, Randy, now? Uh, and we sure appreciated your great questions, because you helped us. We will send out a newswire generally explaining Zoom by September um, September 1 or right after and do a Tech Talk program also. Okay. Thank you, Randy. That was a great discussion. Thanks, everybody. And, yeah, we'll try 8 o'clock and see how it goes. And, Carla, I really hope you can make it. And if it doesn't work, we'll switch back to 9. <laughs>